Grab your Bibles with me and let's turn to the New Testament letter of Titus. Paul, Paul's pastoral epistle to Titus, named Titus. You'll find it just after 2 Timothy, just before Philemon and beyond Hebrews. Tucked in there. I want to preach today in our second sermon of the series, mainly out of verse 5, in what will turn out to be a part one of two as we focus in on the details of pastors, elders, shepherds, and um, a more detailed walk through verses 6 through 9, the qualifications of those shepherds next week. There's some foundational things I want to do this morning to be sure that we capture why God has designed sheep to be led and cared for by shepherds. Before we dig into the qualifications of those shepherds, we have to have a good view of this most important work that the Lord has ordained. So with that in mind, let me read the entire portion of this part of Paul's letter to Titus to help set some context in our minds uh, for what Paul is emphasizing here, and then we'll dig in for what the Lord has for us today. Titus chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. This is why I left you in Crete that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. God's good word for us, church. What a blessing. It is here in verse 5, our focus this morning, where we get to see two points of emphasis of why Paul is writing to Titus. Some of the urgency of this and the, the direction, the didactic direction he has for Titus's priorities as a shepherd in this area. This is why I left you in Crete, Paul says, so that you might put what remained into order, number one, and number two, appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town. Let's look at both of these first. He says that he wants Titus to put what remained into order. Here he's speaking of, as we're going to see in the rest of the letter, a correcting and a settling certain doctrines and practices among God's people in this area of Crete. This is Paul essentially stressing these mega themes that we see in this letter of the importance of sound doctrine and sound faith. When Paul says what remained, this is likely due to the fact that Paul himself was with Titus alongside him, and together they had already begun to do this work in this area. And now Paul has left and is writing Titus to finish it. 
This is much of the focus for the remainder of the letter, by which we will spend plenty of time digging in sound doctrine, sound faith, as it pertains to these details. But Paul turns specifically to speak in detail as to the essential qualifications that the local church shepherds must have to honor the Lord, to protect the flock, to feed and lead and care for them according to God's holy will and way. So it is here that we will spend our time today and our next time together. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. You think about the economy of God in the midst of a lost world. There is an assignment, a critical assignment that he has ordained for his blood-bought people, his adopted children, that we would have area leaders, leaders who are among us, shepherds to watch over us and care for us and lead us and protect us, to admonish us and, and, and love us and and help us mature in Christ to honor the Lord. The appointing of elders to shepherd God's people is a critical and most essential priority, especially in the early church leadership, if the church was going to grow and expand and survive and and learn to thrive to fulfill Christ's great commission to the ends of the earth for many generations to come. What an important assignment given. The Greek word Paul uses here that we translate elder is presbyteroi. Elders are presbyters. They're faithful leaders for God's adopted children. Understand that he's not just describing simply an older man, an elderly man. No, he's describing one who is willing and matured and qualified among the local congregation to shepherd God's people in this important way. Listen to the Apostle Peter's charge to the elders in his first letter, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And Peter charges those fellow elders with this. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Elders are called to shepherd the local flock, the local church that is among them, that God has entrusted to their care and to lead them faithfully until the chief shepherd returns to gather all his elect and give us the unfading crown of glory. Praise God. What a day. Listen to Paul's emphasis about God's high call for shepherds to lead his people as he writes in, in Acts, as he speaks in Acts 20, 28. He says, Keep watch over yourselves 
and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. In these passages, we see two other titles given to this important role of leading the church, in addition to that word presbyteroi, elder. We see Paul use the word overseer here. The Greek word is episkopoi. Overseers or bishops. The title has a, a Greco, Greco-Roman root to it, and it is really essentially a supervisor, a manager, a guardian, an overseer. Paul also uses the word for shepherd, which the Greek word is poimenos. Poimenos is a shepherd. It's where we get our word pastor. Pastor means shepherd. Shepherd means pastor. He is one who is charged to by God to protect and feed and lead and care for God's sheep. In these different charges to the elders by the apostles, we see these three different essential titles used. They all describe the same office. Elder is the same as overseer, or sometimes referred to as bishop, is the same as shepherd or pastor. These are not different offices The qualified, appointed elders, our pastors, our overseers. Any title can be exchanged for the other. They all describe the same important work in the Lord. Here at Disciples, in our many years of Reformation, we've sought to redeem a biblical understanding and practice of this office. One of the things by which we stopped using those titles for other roles in the church. And really said we want to refer to... um, these things, the way God has given us them in Scripture. It's important to understand that Scripture is clear. And, and, and in all of these, describing the ones he's commissioned and charged with feeding and leading and protecting and caring for his precious sheep. If you're just joining us Uh, here at Disciples, or maybe new to the practice, um, and you are participating in our Disciples Church daily Bible reading plan. We just started it on the 2nd of January. We're just 10 days in, 10 chapters in so far. That means we read the Gospel of John chapter 10 on Friday. Raise your hand really quickly if you're reading with us this year in our particular reading plan. That's great. You don't have to read our particular reading plan. There's others. We, we uh, lovingly charge you to be faithful, to meditate on God's word daily and be committed to that practice. Uh, but this is a wonderful way. We get to really walk that out together. John chapter 10 serves as such a wonderful and refreshing reminder to us, does it not, church, of of Jesus' role as the good shepherd. Listen to Jesus' words, considering his role as the chief shepherd and our role as his sheep. John 10, 14 through 16, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. 
Jesus is truly our good shepherd, and we are, church, his forever beloved sheep. If you haven't noticed by now, sheep is a term God ordains to be used a lot in Scripture to describe his elect people. And then also then to help us understand the vital role that the shepherd leader plays in our life. Jesus' choice to refer to his elect as sheep of his pasture was not an unusual thing for his audience in that day, especially the Jewish listeners. This was a common practice of many and and really a a common vernacular of of just the times. And and we see it throughout Holy Scripture. Uh, Consider the words of the psalmist, David, a shepherd himself, to constantly employ this analogy throughout his writings. Psalm 100, verse 3, he says, we, are, we, talking about God's people, are the sheep of his pasture. Psalm 77, 20, God, you lead your people like a flock. Psalm 79, 13, we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give you thanks forever. Throughout the Bible, we see the same parallel drawn between God's people and sheep. Another Old Testament reference, Isaiah 40, verse 11, says that God will tend to his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs into his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So why sheep? Of all the animals God created... Why is the constant chosen comparison to his most elect chosen people, sheep, right? You ask a young kid, hey, what's your favorite animal? They're going to talk about a lion or a monkey or, you know, some of these cool things. Like, rarely are they going to say, yeah, sheep, you know? And I believe this God-inspired comparison is in his word for our sake of all the animals God created because of the uniqueness of a sheep's dependence and needing guidance. It is God's loving way to reveal to us, an often very prideful people, that we are desperately in need of shepherds. It's how the Lord shows us we need him. Church, we need to see this. We need to embrace it more than we do so we don't miss out on all that God wants us to benefit by in being led by faithful shepherds. Consider for a moment some facts about sheep that have a unique correlation to us. Even as I read these, you might feel a little poked and prodded, and yet I think that's the very thing. Like in my pride, I can struggle with this, and yet if I understand my state, especially in my sin, there's a lot of this that's very true. Number one, sheep are dirty and wayward. The sheep that live in the countryside are, are not the clean thing we see in little kids' picture books. Fluffy and white and all made up and permed out. If you've ever seen the southern end of a northbound herd, you'll know why. They can't keep themselves clean, and they smell foul. Some of you who know this type of animal are quick to agree. 
Sheep tend to wander off easily. Perhaps because they can't see very far. It's our understanding, research shows, that they can't see more than 15 yards in front of them. Right? They all need glasses. No matter how many times you bring a wayward sheep back, it is prone to wander off again. It's just the way they are. Number two, sheep are defenseless and dependent animals. They, they don't have much of a bite. No, no real natural defense. No claws, no horns, no, no fangs. Not even a stink bag like a skunk. <laughs> to make matters worse, they're top-heavy. Their legs are very spindly, and it makes them slow and easy to tip over. Sheep are also very susceptible to all kinds of diseases. They will eat too much if you let them. They'll get sick. They're definitely not your king of the forest type. Sheep are easily frightened and confused. It doesn't take much to scramble the simple mental yoke of a nervous sheep. Um, they've even been known to plunge straight over the edge of a high cliff in a panic and follow one right after another. Now, it should be noted, God does not compare us to sheep to belittle us, um, to put us down, and that's not why I make the comparison this morning, not at all. Scripture tells us mankind is the crown jewel of God's creation. Uh, far superior when it comes to intelligence, accomplishment, over the other species that God made, God's word is clear to say that we are the only ones, church, made in his image. So then why compare us to lowly sheep? And I believe it's the same reason why Paul is writing this letter to Titus. To give him the primary task to make sure that shepherds are appointed so the sheep have what God ordains they need. He wants us to know that we are designed to be dependent on and led by shepherds. Do you see it that way, church? Do you see it that way, Christian? Is that your embrace of this important part of the economy of the church? Our need for a shepherd's highlighted time and time again in God's word. Isaiah 53, 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. Mark 6, 34, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep who are not following faithfully a shepherd are those to be compassionate on. Psalm 78, 52, he brought his people out like a flock. He led them like sheep through the desert. Church, this leads us to see why it is such good news that Jesus is our good shepherd. John 10, 3 through 4, the sheep hear his voice and he, he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him and they know his voice. This is good news. Christian, he knows you. He loves you. He's made you his own. This also means he knows everything about you because he knows everything. 
the deepest, hardest, darkest spots in your mind, in your life. He knows. He knows the things you're hardly even willing to admit to yourself. He knows. He knows the horrific and ugly things that are yet to come to your mind, to your mouth. He knows. And yet it says, He, the holy God of all creation, He knows you and still lays down His life for you. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. This is good news, church. For Jesus is our good shepherd. Not only because he knows us and we know him and we've trusted him and we follow him, but because he saves us. Think about the beauty and the wonder of the gospel of our Lord in this role as the good and sacrificial shepherd. It means the shepherd, the owner of the flock, the, the keeper of the sheep who exist, the sheep who exist for his benefit and glory. He becomes like a lamb to save us from the death we deserve. When the wolves come, he lays down his life to save us, to protect us now and forever. Jesus says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The key word here is for. The English there is, is light. It's, it doesn't do it justice. The Greek word there is special. It means in the place of. Jesus lays down his life in the place of the sheep. His sheep. The shepherd becomes a sheep led to slaughter so we don't have to be. Hear this today. Because you and I are sheep, we will follow a shepherd. That means someone will lead us. And I pray, I pray you come to understand there is only one shepherd worth trusting your entire life to. Only one in the end who will lead you with selfless love unto eternal glory, King Jesus. We don't need just any shepherd. We need the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. For we were straying like sheep, 1 Peter 2, 20, 25, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Praise the Lord. John 10, 9 through 10, I am the door, Jesus says. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. For those of you in the room today, maybe those who are watching the broadcast or, or, or tuning into the podcast later, and you are not saved. Jesus is not the Lord of your life. There's urgent news for you to hear. And that is that God is still gathering his elect, his people. 
Listen again to Jesus' words, John 10, 14 through 16. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. And just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. He says, I I know my own, and my own know me. What this tells us is God's saving work is not random. It is completely purposeful to gather his chosen sheep, sheep who because of his regenerating work on their dead hearts, hear his voice, recognize it, and trust it. They trust him with their entire lives. They follow him, and they know him. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. The good news here that we see is for those who are not yet saved, God is still gathering his people, his elect. There are specific sheep that he chose before the foundation of the world, Paul says in Ephesians 1.4, that we know he's still saving his lost sheep, still fulfilling his Perfect plan. And that's why we are obedient to continue to live out what he's commissioned us to do. To preach the gospel. To testify the gospel. To every tribe, tongue, and nation. Knowing that our future adopted brothers and sisters, God is still saving them. Amen? If you're listening to this today, if you're hearing the good news That God the Son put on flesh, lived without sin, willingly died a sacrificial death to take on the wrath due our sin, all of it, finished that atoning work, paid it in full, rose again from the grave as the forerunner of resurrection. You're hearing this, that he did this. He did this for people who don't deserve it. He did this for his people, whom he will call in his time. If you're hearing that, if that's good news to your soul today, it might very well be the sign of your true conversion. That that's good news. That's not just news. It's not just a religious rhetoric. It's not just something you've seen be a benefit to others. You're seeing that it applies to you. He did that for you. You see your guilt and sin. You are willing to confess it as sin, not make excuses for it, to lay bare before him, to see your full need for Jesus in your place, not only to save you, but to be the Lord of your life. And it's good news. And you say yes, to die to yourself and to live now for Christ, that you believe and trust your life to him. That's salvation. The command on you, if you're hearing that, and it's good news today, is to repent and believe and be saved. You might have, you might have been in church a lot of your life. You, you might have served in the church for many years and still not been saved. Salvation is essential. You won't be judged on Judgment Day and how many days you were in church. It's, it's Jesus completely representing you. Your life handed to him. You live for him. He's yours or not. It's not a combo. It's all or nothing. If this is you today,
Praise God, there would be no greater joy for any of the saved in this room to get to hear from you that God's doing that work on you today. So not only we can celebrate with you, but then we can walk with you in the newness of your faith. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how accomplished you are. I don't care how beautiful you are. We will celebrate that and we will begin to walk fresh with you. What a joy. Amen, church? This is why we keep preaching. This is why we keep witnessing. This is why we keep testifying. Because God is not done gathering his sheep yet. Praise God that he is so purposeful, so perfect and able and faithful to see this through for his glory and for our good. Now again, I want to stress today what God's word is stressing again and again in all these passages We must realize that we are sheep in need of a shepherd, and therefore we must answer this important question. What shepherd are you following? What shepherd are you submitting yourself to, giving yourself to? Is is it the, the shepherd of the generational expectations of your family? The shepherd of the American dream? Is it the shepherd of popularity, what people think about you? Is it the shepherd of of pornography? Is it the shepherd of money? Is it the shepherd of of drug dealer? Is is it the shepherd of romance? Is it the shepherd of idolater? or, Or is it the shepherd whose name is Jesus? Yeshua which means Yahweh saves. As you consider this today, hear the words of the psalmist David as he describes why Jesus is the shepherd you want to trust and know and be led by all the days of your life. The Lord is my shepherd. Shall not want. For he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise God. That Jesus is the chief shepherd of the church. 1 Peter 5.4, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There will be one shepherd. There will be one flock. This is a reference to the universal church. Our brothers and sisters of every tribe, tongue, and nation to the ends of the earth, of other generations, of, of other faithful 
churches, even in our own community, the church under the lordship and shepherd of Jesus Christ. But in God's perfect wisdom, perfect wisdom and design to care for you, his blood-bought people, his precious sheep, he's commissioned and designed that we all follow, obey, and honor local church shepherds that know us, are walking with us, that he has readied and appointed, who, are, who have been discipled and matured and tested and proven qualified, that not popular, not good-looking, you have no shepherds if that was the case, qualified, biblically qualified, tested, vetted, matured, we get into that detail next week. Layers of specific clarity the Lord's ordained for us to, to vet and to continue to hold accountable the men to this role. You are God's precious sheep. And so he has designed you to submit to and follow godly shepherds in your local church. It's one of the primary reasons why a Christian can't be without a local church. They're committed to. Right? You're talking to someone who says, oh, I love Jesus, I'm a Christian. We just don't do the church thing. Like, so, so then how do you obey the scripture that says obey your elders? We're walking with you to hold you accountable. You can't. Oh, I, I mean, I guess I disregard that. Well, that doesn't work. Now, Scripture is so helpful to not only tell us what shepherds are to do, but to tell us what they are not to do. And take a brief moment to consider that. Back to that passage in 1 Peter 5, 2-3. Peter, speaking to the other shepherds, the other elders, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Sadly, over the centuries, the sin of man has caused many, all too many churches, to really turn a blind eye to the importance of the kind of men God intends to be elder, shepherd, overseers. What many churches end up with is men who don't do this. Men who become pastoral elders because they felt they had to. They did it under compulsion. They, they gave in to a superficial and, and unwanted obligation. They gave in to that. And they and the church suffer the consequences. Or they were men who took on the role of church leader because of a desire for personal gain or fame. You see a lot of quote-unquote pastors get caught up in this. Pastors who eventually become disqualified. Their real motive comes out. It's the notoriety. It's the fame. It's the book sales. It's the money. It's the, it's the power convincing congregations to raise tens of millions of dollars so they can jet set around the world. They have to wear $3,000 suits. 
that when people you know are disgusted at some of these that have perpetrated godly leaders, that they've posed, they're posers, and they're disgusted by it. Join them in that. It is disgusting. It is, it is to be protected. It is to be constantly vetted. Just because it was good at one point doesn't mean it remains. So we, remain, we have to remain qualified. We have to remain tucked in. We have to remain accountable. To not let it become something else. I was on a ski lift a few weeks ago taking my boys snowboarding for the first time their first time, me back at this former love of mine that I had a lot of, long time. And uh, I got to chat with a young lady um, who was sharing her family story of church involvement and numerous ministers that became disqualified for gross reasons. And asking her about her own status of her own faith and saying that she believes in the Lord, but just is very disgruntled and disgusted with the church. And they just got to share a little bit of our, our story and just trying to say, like, I, I get that disgust. I share it with you. Um, but God ordained you to sit next to a 20-plus-year pastor who, by his grace, is not that. And there are many more like me out there who are faithfully leading God's people and so will you consider coming back to church to, to do what God's called you? And I could send, I, I'll give you recommendations in your area. I know ministers there that I believe you could trust and know and be healed in that area. So will you just pray for her with me and those like her? Maybe you're here today and that's you. I pray you would know God's good design for this in a way that's restoring, it's healing for you. There's men who are guilty of domineering over their flock with harsh and harmful rule. Men abuse the authority they've been given as a result, cause harm to the sheep. These are things that can't be. Now, do all shepherds never err in any of these ways? It's not to say that there's perfection here, but, but there's a reputation, there's a heart, that there's a practice that needs to be watched and vetted. It was a popular saying that's been around for many years. Godly leaders lead not for their own good, but for the good of those they lead and the glory of God. It's a, this is critical because the local church is the bride of Christ. The, the, the church is God's adopted children. It is his. It's for him. It's not the pastor's church. It's not for the pastor's glory. The elders are charged by God to lead his bride and protect his flock and care for his adopted sons and daughters and teach the saved saints. So biblically qualified and accountable elders do not lead in these ways that Peter's warning against here. What they do is fulfill the sacrificial, costly, burdensome, weighty role of protecting the sheep, feeding the sheep, caring for the sheep, 
leading them where the Lord commands them to go. Church, it's so important that we all embrace the role that God's given us to play, that, that we're faithful to honor him in our steadfast practice of what he calls us to do. So again, next week we're going to spend a lot of time looking at these qualifications that the shepherds must have. And it's important that you know these things, to be praying for those that are being trained and raised up to maybe be that. Any disciples we're making, any of the young men, boys even, that we're pouring into and shaping might be the future elders of this church. But also to, to know how to pray for and hold accountable your current elders. Ongoingly. Before we wrap up today, I want to turn to, to your role. The role of the sheep related to the shepherds. To show you how the church body, the sheep, support and honor and follow the shepherds. Again, what we're seeing here is, is Paul tell Titus, this is an instrumental, fundamental, prioritized part of how the church is going to operate and be protected and grow and do what the Lord's commissioned it to do. And so we acknowledge that. But then that also means that the sheep need to acknowledge the importance of the elders, overseers, shepherds role and do your part biblically, well, faithfully, or it breaks down. Consider a few specific passages in Scripture that God has given us regarding this. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Hebrews 13, 17, later in that very chapter. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. First Thessalonians 5.12 We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. It's good news, church, that God has saved us into the body of Christ to do life together, to be in true community. And that's hard. It's hard a lot of the times. Why? Right? It's in my sin, I want to do it my way. In my sin, I don't want to love those who are hard to love or put up with them or walk with them. <laughs> right? In Adam and Eve's sin, the first thing that they did was separate, get under themselves. It's, it's a good, important thing that we remember that Christ saving us is unto a redeemed, unified family. We value that, that I fight my sin that just wants to be left alone, wants it all my own way. But to submit myself to the Deep diversity, plurality, different parts of the journey the church is. Even in, the, even in the differences of how you even relate to your shepherds. There's a diversity there. 
It's good news to be brought into community, to be redeemed, to be, get to practice the one another's, to get to grow in sanctification as we together serve our King, as we testify the gospel, as we make disciples. The way God has ordered this to be done is for sheep to submit and faithfully trust and follow their elders. This means we don't go at it alone. We seek our leadership for counsel and help and accountability. We trust God's ordained work in and through your shepherds to lead you. This means even where there's husbands and wives making decisions for you as a family unit, you together need community around you to invite in others, especially shepherds, to have input. To, to hear you and, and, and to advise you and to point you to God's good truths. As one of your shepherds, I can say Jennifer and I's conviction is to effort to practice this well. Why? Because we too need counsel. We too need to be checked. We too need to say, hey, I'm considering this. Like, Do you see something here that I may not? Am, am I pressing for just the way I want this and, and it... Why, why do we do that? Because we've grown to see the value of good counsel, of how it blesses me to not break down down the road, to not commit to something that now has me undone, to not, right, to be helped. To be accountable to our shepherds is to be loved, it's to be blessed, it's to be protected. Please know your shepherds do not take this role lightly. We labor over the responsibility that comes with this. We cry. We lay awake at night. We seek the Lord in prayer and in his word. We, we, we ask to be checked with each other. We want to honor him well. You might lay awake at night when your son or daughter or spouse is really struggling. I do that too. Your shepherds lay awake at night praying for you. Think of how big your family is. Think of how big this family is. This means there's many days and nights whereby we are fighting for you, praying for you, rallying for you in ways you never see. It's our joy to do this. Look closer with me at these few passages and let's soak this up so that we can take hold of what the Lord has given us in this important economy of how the church is to thrive as we're given here in Titus. 1 Thessalonians 5.12, let's start there. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them highly in love because of their work. There's a real trust you must have of your shepherds. Not because they're infallible, but, but because surely, I, I misread that. Not because they're infallible, because surely we're not, but because we are in the Lord and have been proven trustworthy in our handling of the word, in the testimony of our life over a particular amount of time and ongoingly to be proven to be and remain qualified so, that, so you trust it. When this is 
the case, then there is a proper esteeming and respect. That God commands the sheep to show the God-appointed leaders that the Lord has gifted, prepared, qualified, and appointed to lead you. Notice with me that God's word says that you are to esteem them highly. Notice that, that this is said after, after the fact that you've been actively admonished by them. In other words, you are to trust their lead and respect them, especially in the context of when they're saying things to you that are corrective or hard for you to hear. Why do we do this? It's important because our flesh will often want to draw us off of what our elders are trying to lead us to or point us to in God's word, what's happening around us. Christian, don't miss what God is trying to do for you. He's trying to start with you, whatever that topic is. And I would just encourage you, be thankful the Lord has given you shepherds that are willing to take time to help you grow and see the ways in which you have struggled or, or, or failed to even recognize yourself or know how to navigate, to, to trust your, them helping you with your blind spots. This is a wonderful blessing of the appointment of shepherds who are among you and why it is so good to slow down and really heed the counsel and hear it and understand it and esteem God's tool in your life, the work of your shepherds. And if you do this, the better you'll do. This is God's perfect will for how the church and his beloved children are to live and conduct themselves. To do this well, the sheep need to not be self-minded, or discounting the God-ordained work of their shepherds. Even when it's hard. Especially when it's hard. Because that's probably when you need it the most. That's probably when the Lord is blessing you with help on a blind spot that you are most susceptible to if left alone. Now hear me clearly. Where Christian liberty applies, it is fine to exercise your preference given that you're not usurping God's word and command. But even still, there should be a real desire for you to lean into your shepherds and to know their thoughts and biblical counsel, to, to truly take time to meditate on why it is what it is and how it might be helpful to you in ways that you don't naturally long for. And, and I want to say on behalf of your elders... I am truly sorry for, for the ways that we have mishandled that. For the ways that with all the best intentions to love you and lead you, we've overstepped. We, we've, we've busted into areas of Christian liberty. Those are areas that we are longing to continually be refined. In areas where we have not maybe understood well enough and, and, and are wanting to grow in, in our listening and our understanding. Will you pray for that for us? We truly want to be in tune only with what the Lord directs and, and nothing more. I, I, the evidence of that, I hope you see, is in, is in the recent 10-year history of our church to, to really not present to you our agenda, but to constantly slay and change and, and, and tweak our agenda for what the Lord has given us. 
I ask you to truly consider how much do you truly value this part of God's design for your life as a saved saint? Do you, do you trust in God's good way that he's designed this to be done in the life of his people? Do you value it? Have, have you allowed a hurt or maybe an area where we have not handled it really well to really create a wedge whereby then you have for a good period of time missed out on the, all the good of what the Lord has called this to be? As much as that depends on you, will you forgive? Will you, will you heal? Will you take those steps to lean in and, and see the most of what God intends this to help us with? If we value it, we'll practice it well. And and I would say if you're guilty of shirking your God-given role in this area, then I lovingly would just say repent of that. Begin to do what the Lord has made clear you should do, which is what we see the author of Hebrews say in Hebrews 13, 17. Very clear, very to the point. Obey your leaders and submit to them. They are keeping watch over your souls as men who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. The language here is clear. It's simple. When your shepherds give you biblical charge and counsel, you are to obey and submit to them because you belong to God. And it is your shepherd's job to help you honor and obey God. Realize that while many matters may seem inconsequential to you at times, your shepherds are charged to keep watch over your soul, and we will have to give an account to God for you. I saw a meme this week that someone posted that said, you don't have to give an account before God for my sin struggle, so stay focused on your own. You guys ever seen something like that? While that might be true in many ways for the sheep, it is not true of your local church shepherds. We will have to give an account for you. We are responsible for your soul. This is a high and weighty call that God has given to the few he's called to lead his people. And I ask this of you, if and when you don't quite understand or maybe are struggling to disagree with counsel or teaching your shepherds have given, the way you honor the command is to slow down, to lean in, respectfully inquire as to the facets that seem off that you might not be understanding rightly. Maybe there is a point of it by which we've overstepped and we need to say, hey, thank you for highlighting that. I want to pull back from that. I want to I want to re-clarify and help us seek the Lord in this way. Or maybe it's just a layer of needing to hear the, the parts of it that you are struggling with. To give the benefit of the doubt to your God-appointed leaders, to value their leadership and submit in joy to them. Why? Because this is the way the Lord ordains his children to grow and to be led and cared for. You have how much you love God, want to grow in God and serve God, one of the very fundamental, biggest ways you are to mature in all of that is through the work of your shepherds, teaching of the word, the leading, protecting of you in the church. You 
Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. That's really how it's not with groaning for us. Can you please hear me say, because I've heard too many of you say this over the time, I didn't want to bother you with my stuff. You guys are so busy. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. But you're not bothering us to do the thing that the Lord's called you to do and called us to do. Together, we'll figure out how to navigate it. And sometimes that might mean you interact with one of us and not another. It might mean you are, there's a delegation of others in the church that you might walk some of that out with, and that's all part of the economy. It might mean you needed to be patient for when that meeting happens, but still raise a hand and let us understand where you're at. You need to do that so we can do our part. And one of the biggest ways that that becomes a groaning thing for us is when you don't. Or when you don't trust us to take you where you need to go. So, so when you read the, like, let, let you be a joy to us, you don't do that by just staying anonymous. <laughs> that's not what that's getting at. It's a big reason why just attending church is not enough. You have to enter into these relationships. You have to move past just attending faithfully. You have to become part of. Part of why we practice covenant membership is to be clear about what God's word calls this to look like. We both agree this is not something unique to us. It's what the word calls for. And, and there's maybe some specific clarities that we're asking to do that well, but that we agree. And so we understand clearly, you're a part of us, and we're yours, and this is what we're doing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. See with me Paul's emphasis to highlight that God equips his saved saints through the ministry and leadership of the shepherds he puts over them. See that this is God's good and perfect design. When you feel tempted to do church or even just your own life, your own way and by your own authority and your own priorities. Let us really do business with the importance God's word gives us to this critical part of the Christian life. Paul is stressing the absolute importance for the believers in Crete to have qualified shepherds to lead them, feed them, protect them and care for them. May we see that this priority is still very much God's will today, throughout the world, throughout Bakersfield, and here at Disciples Church. May both our shepherds and our sheep honor the Lord by doing what he commands us to do and not putting it off, doing it well, and doing it for a long race. It really genuinely believe that when we're doing this biblically, there's no reason to just get tired being on one team and you want to go play for another. If it's biblically happening, if God is at work, then let's endure the tough season and run the long race together. Let's grow old together. Let's raise generations together. If there's good biblical reason to make a change, then do that. If there's good, you know, liberty. Okay, I understand that too. But, but let's not, you know, just, hey, 
this is my favorite restaurant for a while, and now let's go, let's go try this one. There's strengths and weaknesses in all churches. There is no perfect church. I know a lot of people are still looking for that, and they're wandering somewhere. We love you guys. God is doing an amazing work here, and it's a joy to be part of it, as long as he ordains. If this is the last time I stand in this pulpit, it's been a joy to serve the Lord and walk with you in this way. And maybe by God's grace, I'm a lot more gray and a lot more frail down the road and then finishing. Love you guys, truly, dearly. Excited about where the Lord has us, excited about where we're going. May we embrace God's good design as we faithfully do our part by his grace and for his glory. Pray with me. Lord, you are good. You, you, you have really blessed us to show us that this design is not unique. It's not limited. No, it's all throughout your word. It's very much a part of how you intend your people to be protected and fed and led and cared for. And so we want to do it well. Uh, the shepherds called to this task. The sheep called to their role as well. Uh, that we would honor you being joyfully privileged to, to do well what you've commissioned us to, to not have pride, to not feel like it should be something more than you've ordained it to be. Let us, let us be humble. Let us do our part well, whatever that might be today, that, that you would truly increase and we would decrease. And, and again, I just well up with worship for the fact that Jesus is our good shepherd, chief shepherd of this church, of these people, who we love, who we trust in the valley of the shadow of death when things are really hard, when the flesh wants to fear, but our hearts are reminded of who our shepherd is, and so we fear not. When we realize that in your providence you are ordaining us to be near enemies, to be put in the middle of real injustices and hardships in this life, and yet you are with us. To recognize the goodness of your rod and your staff, tool intended for discipline, intended for correction, that when you're at work in these ways, it is so good and a comfort to us. We thank you for the hope, the living hope we have, that we are yours now and forever. Let us see and savor that you truly will hold us fast. We glorify you in all of it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.